This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Black sort of switch from like when I was young which was like the 90s I guess I was a teenager to now and the way that we approach the way we talk about sex and relationships and the way that uh, couples try to navigate the waters of a long relationship that has seen the spark sort of disappear and oftentimes we need to turn to people to sort of help us experts that can sort of navigate those waters in a way where everyone is comfortable and calm and on the same page and a lot of us and I don't really know how I feel about this which is why I'm happy that our guest is here today but a lot of us feel like there are so many risk factors when trying to explore new ways to sort of bring back the sexual energy of your relationship and um, today I hope that we have uh, someone on the show that can help us with those answers and and by the way i think that we may have um done the trick sorry just for the abrupt ending of the beat there but this is what she posted yesterday and i was like i would love to do this serious question here thinking of early spring for the first of hopefully several would people be interested in a slumber party i'm talking pj's pizza backyard fire feel free to tent sleep or crash in my living room basement wherever i don't want to get proper use of my backyard after all after all these years of lockdown and I was just like, who would do that? Who in their right mind would do that? And the answer is Emmeline Pruden. How are you? Absolutely. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Is that, <laughs> do you normally do like a open call for a slumber party? I do. Um, and it's actually kind of sad because it's because one time I had like a closed guest list party and nobody showed up. So oh. now it's an open call. So That's I found amazing. out a lot of people are kind of like me where it's, you know, if you're directly invited as an introvert, you're not going to go out. But if it's like, hey, yeah. maybe show up, you'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, get, let's break it down like this. Like, first of all, where are you from and where did you grow up? So I'm born and raised Hamilton, Ontario. Um, Oski wee wee. So um, I've lived all over the city, which, I mean, in terms of Hamilton means I'm well-traveled. Um, <laughs> well-versed in the different neighborhoods. So... Um, and I've also had some experience with a short stint in Toronto, um, but definitely, definitely call Hamilton home. What, what did you think of Toronto and where did you live? Because some people um, have, a, there's a lo- <laughs> lot of love-hate going on with Toronto, I've found over the last 20 years. It was actually in a residence in a hotel. Um, on, oh. Yeah, like it, it was because I was doing some work in Toronto and by the time the GO trains were all done, I couldn't get home. 
Okay. So it was one of those. So it it was fun. It did was you have really a slumber different. party at the hotel? I did not. I was I was very well behaved at the hotel. Um, it was other people's hotels that you misbehave at. No. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Drake. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So home, have a house, all that fun, grown up stuff. So let me. How did you get? So I want to know. So I feel like you you probably have a certain type of personality to do the work that you do. That you're you you say you're an educator in kink and poly polyamor. Is yeah. that what it's called? Polyamory. I have a hard time with that word. I, I, I thought it used to mean, I, I used to get that word confused with androgynous for some reason. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Polyamorous, androgynous, you know, same thing. Um, but do you, did you feel like you had the type of personality that would naturally get into that kind of scene? Um, were you like um, uh, always kind of open sexually when you were growing up? Like how did you find yourself um, in, in that field? So actually, I well, I've always kind of known um, that I was into polyamory more so lately, as of late, ethical non-monogamy, which is different. But um, so with polyamory, it was always so I grew up in the church. I was in a Christian rock band. Yay, God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. a lot of the thoughts and urges and things and, and even jokes that I'd make with my friends, um, I'd end up getting a talking to and being told, you know, those things are wrong. Those things are bad. You don't actually want them. That's just the devil. Um, so for me, it was a lot of trying to kind of repress. I, you know, hear jokes about threesomes and foursomes and triads and swingers and things like that. And to me, like, I was more interested in like, I kind of want to see how that works rather than interested. Like, Ooh, that sounds like a spectacle. So it's, I don't know, it's just always been something that's there. And then I do think um, my, my road to education was uh, very, very uh, quick and abrupt, two foot jump right in, dove right in, because uh, I left the church, left my marriage, and just dove right into all the things that since, you know, puberty, I was told I couldn't do and learned a lot along the way. <laughs> So, so a triad isn't a Chinese gangster. It's something else that I'm not aware of. <laughs> a triad is a relationship, uh, like a throuple, if you will, um, oh. an equal partnership between three people. Okay. And, so, yeah. so w when I think of stuff like that, um, and I think of what a successful polyamorous relationship would look like, I have a hard time even imagining it because I feel like there would always be a constant imbalance of emotional energy being given and taken. And, and, and really it isn't the sex to me. I, I, the sex part seems less complicated than the emotions. Mm -hmm. I know they're intertwined. Are, if you were to just hazard a guess out of like um, 10 couples, how many that explored that polyamorous uh, relationship thing would um, be successful in, in sort of having a successful relationship? Probably two or three of them, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is not something that's for everyone. It, it takes a lot of emotional, um, self-reflection. I won't even say emotional maturity because there are a lot of big emotions that come up. It's a lot of, um, self-reflection and, uh, communication. Yeah. It, 
it feels that it feels like that way and it's i mean it's hard enough to deal with one person mm-hmm. right and there's and there, and then also conceptually i often I like not often but i i mean i would imagine that one person is usually like the, there's like that first domino out of the three people that like cross over a line emotionally or say something that um ostracizes that other person just between you and that other person that one person do you know what i mean like the, there feels like if yeah. you're not all on the same page well and, and that's it too is there's different types of polyamory so if oh, we're right, assuming right. it's a triad there's going to be a different set of boundaries rules uh how not necessarily rules but um how the relationship works and how the dynamics all play out for that versus someone who has say if they're solo poly, which is, uh, you know, they're single, but they form long-term relationships, ongoing relationships with multiple people. Um, then there's people who have like a nesting partner or, you know, a first or, or their hierarchical partner um, that they live with, they do family events with, and then they have other relationships on the side. Um, and kind of like a bit of a difference uh, in the philosophies that I use is because there's ethical non-monogamy, which would be more of like a swinger. And then there's polyamory, which is, uh, they're kind of tied in together, but there's a bit of a difference in, in the way that I approach education with it. It's that polyamory is that you, uh, amory uh, um, insinuates there's going to be a relationship, a connection, an ongoing thing. Uh, whereas if you're ethically non-monogamous, it's, well, you can have your cake and eat it too. So there's, there's so many different titles that kind of come in through all of this. And it's, it's really just a, a very interesting hole to dive into. Um, Sometimes hard to imagine someone um, with a great upbringing, um, no issues as far as abuse goes, no issues as far as abandonment goes. And it, it would be difficult imagining that person um, engaging in a polyamorous relationship. This could be my ignorance. It just feels difficult. Like even yourself, um, raised by the church, that was enough. <laughs> you, know, yeah. that, you didn't have to go farther than that. And, and you know, and I get that because, you know, I was, I wasn't raised religious, but I was, I went, I, w- I was raised Catholic in a sense and I mm. uh, went to a Catholic school and did confession and all that kind of shit. And I remember what Jesus fear felt like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. E- yeah. even when I decided that I wasn't a believer anymore, I, I remember someone saying, oh my, it was my buddy, my, <laughs> we were walking down the street and uh, I think I was like 18 because I've been in like a non-believer since I was like 12 or something. Well, really, mm. since I was baptized and I shat all over yeah. the altar, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember it, but it was awesome. Um, but the, but he, we were walking down the street and he and he looked up and he's like, and, and I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just so fucking pissed off. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about it? And he just took a deep breath and he goes, fuck you, God. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, shit. Wait, I don't believe. You know, yeah. like there's, a, there's a Jesus fear there. Yeah. Um, but are there many well-adjusted people that have a really great life that end up in that lifestyle? Most people are well-adjusted. To be honest, um, you would think, and I think it's because so many people expect it to not be something that a sane or well-adjusted person would choose, but it's honestly, um, you'll find more people in the lifestyle are mentally well and, and healthy, um, which actually lends more success in, um, in polyamory and my personal experiences, uh, I know that um, if I've gone into uh, relationships, poly relationships where I've either entered into a dynamic or kind of made my own, um, where it's 
if they've if they're better well adjusted than I've been, we've lasted and had a very good time. Like those are the ones that you know, if they call me next week and say, "Hey, I'm moving, can you help me?" I'll still go help them, even though we're not romantic or anything. But then the people that I find are like me, where we're not necessarily from the best backgrounds in terms of uh, emotional health and, and trauma and all that fun stuff. Um, they never end well. It's it's hmm. it, it's a yin and yang, actually, I find it. And it takes all kinds. But I will say um, it, there are more well-adjusted people in the lifestyle than people like myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got the bells and whistles asterisk next to my polyamory. So How, what does that mean? Um, it's that so in terms of of the things I enjoy, I also enjoy kink. I also enjoy like there's so many other things that I also enjoy with my polyamory Mm. where, you know, um, other people are literally just in it for purely a relationship thing. Like my brand of polyamory will have like normally have a nesting partner, then a dom, then some play partners is what I'll call them. The play partners lead more onto like the ethical non-monogamy where it's their friends with benefits. Um, whereas the dom would be an ongoing polyamorous relationship and my nesting partner would be an ongoing polyamorous relationship. I feel like if you're a dom or a submissive, now hear me out, um, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into one identity for the rest of your life. Now, a switch is the only thing that makes sense to me. It, it really is because I because like, you know, you, you, and it also depends on your partner. Like I, we were talking off air and about how I'm uh, I'm going to segue into this because I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. When I'm on mushrooms, I often seek um, a person on Facebook who I've dubbed shrooms girl, because when I when I when I look at her when I'm on mushrooms, um, like lasers and rails fly out of her. <laughs> mm-hmm. what it is. She's just beautiful. And, but but when I see this picture, which is of shrooms girl in her roller derby outfit, I'm like, sub, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but if I were to see her in like, you know, some other outfit, I'd probably be like, Dom, like, you yeah. know, it's just, and that often like when I, I've met couples who have, I've met a couple ones who they had a male third party, mm-hmm. um, the Dom or whatever that would, um, that they would see like once a month. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of always the same thing. And I, and I get it. If you're into something, then stick with what works or whatever. The dynamic, though, um, are couples often surprised to find out that something that was working in fantasy didn't work in reality? A lot of the times. Um, and a lot of it comes down to a mix of miscommunication mm-hmm. and not knowing what to expect, but still having expectations. Right. Um, and I just picture somebody is- crying in bed, you know? <laughs> Um, there have been people that, so in the, in the places where I've facilitated, you know, the ability to be safe and explore, there have been people that have safe worded out and, um, you know, when, when they've done so where I've been there, it's that I offer to kind of help them chat through what their emotions are. Um, but there's a lot of times, even with myself where, uh, cause I mean, not even polyamory, um, polyamory can, can bring up a lot of fears that you didn't know that you had in a relationship. And when you finally let your partner explore, um, it brings up a lot and it is a lot to deal with. And a lot of people are not able to quite handle it. Um, There are, it's 90% of the time, 
you can see that there is some disappointment more so in one partner than another, not necessarily the man or woman. But you can see where, you know, when it doesn't work out, it's generally because one party really wanted it a lot more than the other and the other and the person that wasn't not that wasn't necessarily into it. They were trying to do it for their partner. And if you're trying to do it for your partner, it is not going to be successful. You have to want this. In yeah, order there, there is a pure kind of, uh, it's strange to say it out loud, but there is a kind of a pure honesty. Like you can't get more honest than the emotional reality. Oh. Hello? I lost you. You that we're frozen? Okay, we're yeah. good. We're good. Yeah. I'm, we're back. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I was saying that there's that it feels like one of the more honest moments you can have in their life is that emotional reaction to the mm -hmm. first time they explore something with another person. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the kind of um, that is the kind of stuff that when I think about um, when I think about couples who, who, who do that, I almost like envy the risk taking side of that, um, because let's face it. You don't go into um, you, you, if you're a couple and you're trying to like recapture your attraction to your, your significant other and you're bringing in other people into the bedroom. I'm sure that works for some people, but that is a very risky play mm -hmm. if, if you haven't done it before. What are the kinds of things that you can do to prepare for that first time? So one of the things you should absolutely do is be 100 percent completely honest. You need to make sure that you and your partner are on the same page. Are you looking for so if we're using, say, a threesome, for example, are you looking to participate? Are you looking to watch? Are you looking to, you know, be more involved? Are you looking to stand back? Are you know, like, what do you want? Like, how much attention do you need from me to continue to feel safe and, and wanted and, and all this? Um, you also need to know what your partner is, is hoping to get from it. Like, you should know what you want to get from it, but you should know what your partner wants to get from it because um whether or not it's a threesome whether you're you're you know sending your partner off to go on a date with someone what your partner is hoping to get from it because you kind of need to actually draw from that it's a very selfless act to share someone you love with another person um and it i mean there's times where you can experience compersion which is arousal at the thought of your partner getting off with someone else but a lot of the time there's a bit of jealousy. And so when you focus on the thought that, okay, well, my partner is hoping to have this experience. I want them to have that experience. And that's kind of what you focus on when you're sending them out. It's focus on your partner's happiness um, and focus on also knowing that um, you are part of your partner's happiness. I use coffee as, as a uh, example. Is this that being it's it's a it's a bean thing yeah i'm on a theme this week <laughs> she um that one was ghost written for me and it's yeah. i don't have it i wish i had it but it was something like what do you remember what it said hey TikTok, you want to see me flick my bean and yeah. then i and then you flicked a coffee bean yeah um <laughs> I, and I said to you i was like i'd rather have the coffee because bean <laughs> just isn't a good word for that other thing right like, know. you know bean. but uh, but yeah so it's that Think of polyamory in that you know your partner likes a good cup of coffee. And all these coffee shops are open up around town. And, you know, he might get a large double-double at one place, get a large double-double at another place. They're both going to taste different, but they're both going to hit the spot. But also yeah. know that the large double-double that you make for him at home 
it's going to hit differently and you can't get that anywhere else. So you have to make sure that you're not comparing yourself. And even when you go for yourself, like don't be looking for the same coffee because you're not going to get the same cup of coffee. You need to discover the different flavors out there. Honey, this is the third time this week you've been to Big Black Coffee. I think we need to talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but there's also the, the the mutuality is super important. Like it, you, you can't just do it for your partner. Mm -hmm. You have to have some selfish reason to do it as well, right? Like, oh, like yeah. you can't. Yeah. Um, I don't think most people have the emotional capacity to be able to handle this kind of stuff. Like I, I, I don't think. I don't think I, w I think I would be able to handle that if it was another woman, mm. um, you know, then I don't have to worry about emotions and stuff like that. Like, like how I'm do you not... know? Well, if I have to work, you know what? This is going to be ridiculous. I don't imagine. I can't even imagine. Um, like I had a friend whose whose father uh, came out after four kids and mm. 20 years of marriage. And it was very hard because it was the 90s at the time and all of his kids were teenagers and no one had no, knew how to deal with that kind of stuff at the time. It was just it was just very strange. Mm -hmm. But I used to imagine what it would be like if if the person that I was with um, came home and was like, I fell in love with a woman. Because I, I, I can conjure up an emotion like jealousy if I were to imagine her telling me that she just fell in love with this dude. Mm -hmm. I could imagine being jealous of that. I could feel it. I could viscerally feel it. When it comes to um, her, I, I don't know if I if if it's because well I can't identify with that, mm -hmm. I, and I'm not jealous because she's not replacing me with another man. So I'm confused why I'm not. That. So but if it was another man, I'd be really upset. So, on the flip side, then, could you only be with other men so your partner doesn't have to worry about that? No. So that kind of actually tells you exactly where um not not necessarily you but society society and not to get all feminist society views women as sexual objects sex removed from emotion right in this very much you know two girls girl on girl i mean a it's hot b there seems to be less risk but when a guy pictures you know having the same rules on him where he can only be with another guy you kind of realize that okay there's there's more at play that makes it okay than what i'm conscious of so it's not like it's a conscious thing so uh because i do get what you're saying it's like but, replacement fear yeah you and know? and i guess like no matter what you do i mean if your partner is willing to be with another woman if, then there's going to be a and chance shut that you're up be and do it. no yeah 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 like it's if they're willing to have sex with a woman they're willing to have emotion and an emotional connection with a woman that's, you know, um, well, isn't there are a lot of bisexuals who are, um, they'll, they'll have sex with either, but they can, they only really have sex with one or, or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually one of those. Um, I very much attracted to men and women. Um, however, I don't, I think if I were to find the right woman that has the right traits, that I have is not accountability is accountability one of those traits because I don't think you're gonna find it yeah I've, I've not found that in in men um that's why I'm single no um <laughs> meet Barack Obama <laughs> oh I haven't heard that one I, I always heard Pamela Anderson Han Paul, Pamela, Pamela Anderson. Anderson yeah no yeah, this is right. Barack Obama nice um yeah so no uh in terms of just I, I do find um there are 
there's a lot of traits that that a lot of us want in our partners that in even in, in the LGBTQ community, you'll find more often in cisgendered people. So um, there's certain things like I want someone who can toss me around a bit. Um, I'm also attracted to women who look like me. So finding that oh. in a long term is not. I can't throw myself against a wall. The best I can do is maybe choke myself. So families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My favorite thing about this photo is your face. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's because your face, it's, it's like kind of sexy, and then at the same time you're like, is that a spider behind you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was in the middle of a sentence when that was taken, to be perfectly honest. It's from the eyeballs up. It's like perfect yeah no it is totally from, from um, like nose down it's like uh but the, the only reason i'm showing you pictures of yourself is because if you want to date someone that kind of looks like you does that mean that barack obama is thinking of you like like what's I mean, I, I need barack to obama is invited to the party um <laughs> like come on <laughs> might even bring it that is that is <laughs> i have really kind of impressive and 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 like i don't think i've ever heard anyone say that before like you're you're attracted to women that look similar that have a similar look to you. Yeah, which I promise is not narcissism. It's just. I think it's confidence. I. Thank you. It's that I. I like this aesthetic. I I just happen to be a member of the aesthetic, but this is the aesthetic that I that I am attracted to. How so, tall are you? I'm five eight. Okay. So I'm I'm short in my family. Oh, I'm five not six. <laughs> But my favorite thing when I was young, it was was dating girls that were a lot taller than me, and then asking them to put on bitch boots so that we could yes. walk down the street when they were like six three and I was still five six. I don't know why men are so uptight about that shit. I fucking loved it. I, maybe it's because I I always like attention, but yeah. to to have a woman on your arm that literally is like almost a foot taller than you, and and every it is such a good so, uh, sociological experiment because everyone looks everybody looks. And they all have like a look of confusion. <laughs> Some people have a look of way to go, buddy. Some yeah. people have a look of like, why are you with that fucking guy? Like it's fucking weird. And, and but I but I love it. Um, I'm so, usually the towering woman when I'm with a woman. Um, yeah. But, but I you, tend to like my men taller. Yeah. Well, and older, but not really. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Don't ask out Emmeline. Too short. <laughs> Thought we could uh, relive my youth there with your bitch. Well, your bitch you know boots. what? You'll be taller if someone's on their knees. So just you know, no. Um. I, I, I don't know what to say to that because we were just talking about me and you. So um, no. So, <laughs> um, okay. Um, so when we w give me an idea of the events that, you, that I don't know if you still throw the events because when I think of events, I think of um two things. I think of like Club X or something like that in Toronto, which I went to once, and I gotta say it was just. I, I don't know. It, it was too, I'm not a person who enjoys the idea of spontaneity with my kink. 
if I were to like, it, it, I, I'm more of an eyes wide shut guy. I think like I'm, I, I would rather go to a party like that. But it's also are there two types of people? Because I'm just honestly, I'm freestyling here. I, I, there's I didn't so know how many to types of people. Uh, there's well, definitely... well, well, what I was what I was gonna say though is that is that generally are there two types of people? People who like, hey, let's go out to the sex club and see what happens. And then there's people that it, it feels like because I'm definitely the second category. Let's specifically tailor make an event for exactly what we like and not have any surprises, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Well, and and that's there. There's yeah. Actually, there's two that very well wrapped up there. Nice. Um, it's, I've it's been very... thinking about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so there are people that they'll check out and come for a specific event because they know somewhat what to expect, but also. There's people that will just show up for the first time, literally, oh, well, we heard about this place on the internet. We decided to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are usually the first ones to actually volunteer for the games, which I love as a former event planner. I am not currently doing them. If I could do them again, like if anyone uh, that's listening needs some event uh, hosting done. Um, so I, I worked at Oasis and yeah. my nights were the hardcore nights as well as the Thursday nights, which included the Swinger and Polly um, education talks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that were kind of new to the scene or unsure of, of what to do, they would generally not come on Bukaki night. Uh, well, pardon the pun. But, uh, I was just gonna say, <laughs> they were the only ones that didn't come <laughs> yeah. um, So they, they would come to something more like uh, swingers night um actually we called it so you want to be a swinger and some nights we we'd play games like swingers bingo which is really just a reason to get or uh, an innocuous way to get people to talk to each other because at the end of the day no matter if you're polyamorous vanilla i mean i don't know how vanilla you can be at a sex club but um you won't even do pukaki night vanilla i know come on it's great for the skin actually it's terrible for your skin yeah but, i don't even understand um, why a, a, anybody that okay we'll talk about that in a second yeah, I, okay. I have we'll a, get on that, we'll get on that yeah, a, another yeah. day um but yeah no so no we'll come back to it before the show's over because i want to talk about that a little <laughs> bit but go ahead yeah. uh yeah but it's that uh the biggest thing in polyamory and having it be successful is communication and getting outside of your shell and and so things like icebreaker games like swingers bingo and it would literally just be like you need to find someone in the room that shaved their balls last week or got had sex in the last three days or you know uh has gone to a bdsm event is a swinger is new to the lifestyle so you go around the room and you meet people and you start chatting and it's that you know sure there's a prize at the end but i'm really not timing any of it and while they're playing i'm usually on the stage answering questions from people because the ballroom has a little stage and just kind of sharing different topics like you know how to deal with jealousy how to deal with um you know what happens when you discover that you like it like quite a bit like making sure that you don't end up in a frenzy because there's people that they realize that they enjoy the idea of their partner going off with someone else and it turns them on to the point where they kind of it's like a shark feeding frenzy where they just want to do it again and again and again. And it can, so, you know, just things like that. Um, Getting people to kind of, it's the best I can put it. It's it's like a summer camp for adults, for naked adults. Um, Just a way for them to break down barriers while listening to how 
uh, these things happen and and how and things to look out for and things to look forward to even because there's people whose relationships were strong going into it but become stronger after because the level of communication that opens up when you are in polyamory even a don't ask don't tell type polyamory um, your core relationship tends to be that much stronger because when you are together you are focused on your time together because your time isn't always spent together um i find that when a lot of people talk about these topics they, they place where um where and can't imagine what what who would do that would you do that i'd never do that I find those conversations to be boring and I find them to be um, really, you don't learn anything, right? Like yeah. that joke can be done in three seconds, but people kick the shit out of that joke. And then a half an hour later, um, the conversation's over. But I, I'm just, um, for, and, and when I say I want to get back to the Bukkake thing, it's not for fun and games. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just wondering the, the, the person, the recipient of that, are they being paid? Cause I can't imagine anyone being like, this is great. Like I there's love people, this. There's people that enjoy it. They love it. Uh, it turns them on. It's a kink for them. Um, for some people, it's even a fetish. The difference between kink and a fetish is a fetish you you need it to get off. Um, but there's people like we we had no problem recruiting bukkake queens, and because it was a simulcast event, um, there's even a broadcast that goes to our online chat platform. Paid members, vetted, confirmed. You know they can't be recording. They can't sell it elsewhere. Like it's it's as if they're in the club. Um, same rules, but people wanted to be in that coveted camera position to be on the receiving end of the bukkake people you should give him a drug test give him a drug test no no sober person would ever do that i don't think um well at at the club you can't get served to point like you know how most bars have like two drinks per hour yep maybe like we'll keep an eye on you at one and a half per hour because you have to make yeah. sure that consent can be given at all times and that consent can be properly rescinded if needed at all times Imagine trying to do this like, no, sorry, sorry. Let's just imagine <laughs> no, that, someone trying to blurt, blurt, yeah. blurt out a safe word and it just sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to get into the kink side of things, if you can't communicate with your mouth, you have a hand signal. <laughs> there's, <laughs> Hopefully there's no webbing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if your hands are behind, you get, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contingencies. Like if A plus B equals C yeah. times D than EFG. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I joke about the drugs is because when I was a rave promoter, um, I noticed that um, my ecstasy use had a lot to do with the fact that it was a million times better on ecstasy sex than it was sober. Mm -hmm. And it honestly took me years to really enjoy sober sex again after that. Like I, I had, you know, kind of a drug problem. And so I had to shut yeah. it. But that was one of the main reasons why I kept going back to it. Um, as far as the sex clubs go, are, are, I mean, is it hard to be aware of how, how much how much drugs permeate or play a role in people's satisfaction? It is definitely uh, something that you need to be aware of and something you need to kind of keep an eye out for. Um, apart from legal legal liability, which is something that you know you kind of have to worry about, you do want to worry about your guest safety, especially if you're hosting the event, if you're in charge of you know, providing a safe space um, and then having open and honest conversations. Like there's certain people who won't play or engage if there is any drugs or alcohol in their system. And there's other people that say, okay, well, you can do drugs, but when we're talking and negotiating and, and, and having, you know, uh, before the fun starts, like you can take it 
once we've agreed to have fun. You know, oh, they I'd secretly see. take it during negotiations, and I would only take like honestly, I, I don't think I could um because I consider myself to be kind of kinky and everything, but I don't. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been recently separated after thirteen years or whatever, and I'm I'm honestly afraid of going to a city because I feel like I'll just have sex with the entire cities sort of thing because I'm just like whatever. But um, but when it comes to that kind of stuff. I can't even imagine mustering the courage while sober. Well, and that's where someone like, it's it's my job to help people become comfortable without needing that. I am, I am the scene fluffer, if you will. That's what the icebreaker games are about. So, I mean, chances are, if you're showing up on a bukkake night, you're interested in busting in that on someone's face. It's just, (laughs) it's what the night is. So, (laughs) I don't know. I just picture the movie Carrie, except it's not blood now, right? Like it's just, you know, it, it can get quite messy in there. there there's a chivalry in me that 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 Listening, is like, if you will, no, yeah, right? But but there is a chivalrous man inside me that's just like, no, 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 get up, like young lady, and get get, oh, wipe your face. Like I don't understand the like, psychology of of that kink. Um, concerns me, I guess, because it's not the and, same as being tied up. It, well, is like, it, is, it is prolonged humiliation by several people, mm-hmm. and you're just taking it and mm-hmm. pretending that it feels good, I guess. I don't know. Some people actually like, enjoy it. Um, well, and that's it is, you don't, so like in the community, we, we say we don't yuck other people's yums. We don't kink shame. Yeah. I mean, I will admit there are certain kinks out there that. Like the poo and pee stuff. I'm like, I well, and that's that. it. It's, it's not for me. It's not my kink. NMK. You know, we. That's really what you have to leave it at. Like, there's kinks that I'm not comfortable with. I won't shame two consenting adults for doing them, but I there's will. a lot of kinks that I won't touch. <laughs> I will. Like, if, so, if if there was a woman that I was speaking with, and then like she was beautiful, and we were hitting it off, and all of a sudden she's like, and my my favorite kink is when men shit on me. So I see, wouldn't even be able to sit there and be like goodbye. But, like, like I, and it's not and the that's same. Fine. Of, yeah, that's yeah. fine that you can't that you don't share that kink. Like, but I don't even want to be fine. in the vicinity of a person that likes to yeah. be people defecating on her. I, I'm just like, you know. And and so that that's the thing. Like people do have personal hangups. Yeah. Um. If you go to a club setting, you're allowed to have your personal hangups, but you can't make someone else feel bad for their kinks. No, and that's, I think that's kind of. That's kind yeah. of where the, the line gets drawn is that you want to make sure that people know that they're allowed to have their kinks. They just can't necessarily expect other people to share or appreciate them, but they won't be shamed for them. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a weird place. It, it's hard to talk about. Um, it's hard to talk about what you're into in a setting that um, has more than one person there for most people anyways. Right. Like, like uh, for most people, I'm not. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. Listen, like I, I, I have discovered here. I'll just put all my cards on the table. I have discovered that I think that um, the stuff that goes on in my head is it is better left fantasy than reality. And so what I've done is I've, I've taken it all and I've squished it into the category known as role playing and dirty talk. And and that makes that is like the replacement for the ridiculous fantasies that I might have mm-hmm. that involve more than one person, right? And so that's what I'm comfortable with. Or the holodeck from Star Trek. If that existed, none of us would be having other partners. They'd all be digital. And, I, I want know, data. I, I want the actual robot android. Oh, an emotionless, be, an, an emotionless being that won't uh, 
ever get angry. That's that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fully set functional. Set my to place you. when you're done. Yeah. No. Um. Well, and that's it. So to talk. So that's. In, in the community, that would be the way that you do it. Uh, if if you if all you want to do is, is role play and dirty talk, that's your those are your limits, is what we would call it. Other people have different limits, and I mean, someone who has larger limits or more widespread limits, they wouldn't be able to understand your limits being what they are versus what their limits are and so that's kind of where the whole like no kink shaming or anything like that comes in because what works for you you're going to find partners where that works for both of you but that doesn't work for all people like i've i've had uh people in the past where um i mean i have no problem with vanilla sex um there's a difference even if they do even if they do this Uh. like where they're all emotional emotional or they start crying this is just so beautiful okay so that's not for me that is not my my (laughs) cup of tea um you know the the, the caress no thank you um it's got to be one of these no um so no (laughs) it's been yeah the caller was there for a reason i knew yeah (laughs) (laughs) actually i I put this on to to hang out with people this week um and i just haven't taken it off because it looks pretty cute no um so I almost forgot what we were talking about, but I'm, I think I'm back on track. So in terms of, of sex and partners and limits and, and even role play, like for me, B, so BDSM is completely different than rough sex. So I've had partners in the past where I'd be like, can you pull my hair? And I'm like, no, I'm like, okay, this isn't doing it for me then because clearly if I'm asking them to pull my hair, there's something that is being missed elsewhere, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so some people, but I respect their limit. Like if they say they're not gonna pull my hair, I'm just going to pinch my arm and get some pain, but you know, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it, but it's also against the law. Like you're not allowed to consent to any type of assault or bodily harm. Correct. Um, right. And so the, um, the, the, uh, uh, an experience that I had once um, when I was in my late twenties and I was, uh, I was dating this Mexican, Mexican woman and she, um, she dug her nails like I was on top of her and she, we were having sex and she dug her nails into my side mm-hmm. um, because she had asked me to, sorry, I'm saying it out of order. She's like, hit me. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, hit me, slap me right across the face. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no. And then, um, and then she dug her nails in uh, after, after asking me another half dozen times. Mm-hmm. And because she dug her nails in, I just, <laughs> and then I was like, <gasps> and then I kissed her and she goes, yeah. she literally, she literally went like this. Oh, the best part is when you kiss it better. <laughs> Fuck. Well, okay. So <laughs> some people get off yeah. on that. Um, no, and I, I don't even judge her for it. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, it was kind of therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I was saying. well, and it's, it's too like, um, I mean, just in general, like a lot of people, a lot of what people do in the bedroom without BDSM, like people have rough sex all the time. Mm. Um, and, you know, if it's unspoken, there's a gray area. Like anytime you do anything that's not vanilla, you're technically taking on the risk because as you said, in Ontario, you cannot consent to being injured. So it takes a level of trust. But that being yeah. said, if you're having that type of sex with someone, you should have that level of trust before that happens because both parties- Don't tell them when they're inside you to hit them. Tell yeah, them beforehand. You, you should be like, you know what? I, I kind of like it rough. You can say that during foreplay and then you yeah. can have that conversation. Um, 
and uh, actually just kind of swing things over to polyamory because that's something that um, is big as well as people try polyamory. Part of the reasons that I tell people, like, if you're looking to see if you're into kinky sex, like, don't use polyamory to try it. Try kinky sex um, instead. But um, it's that a lot of people will try and do different things with their other partners, like like I do with the separate relationships. But people will use it to explore new kinks, and that can actually cause uh, emotional damage and harm to their partner because they would like to explore things with their partner and they want to be given that chance so sorry that's like that's, that's that, that imbalance um, right that you were yeah. kind of inferring to earlier where it's like it can't just be for one person well we yeah. thought we'd go there because my partner really felt that something was missing like that that's going to be a disaster right yeah or it's like oh well i really want to i really want to try handcuffs in this and so they go and do handcuffs with someone else and their partner's like I, I, I would have tried that with you, you know, so you got to make sure that you're on the same page in that, you know, I mean, obviously, if you want to do handcuffs with your partner and someone else, that's something you negotiate with whatever partners you have. But a lot of people, when they do polyamory, it's that they, they need to make a conscious effort to make sure that they're still pleasing their primary partner. They're still exploring and trying what their part, they're still trying to fulfill their partner's needs instead of just filling those needs for other people. Yeah. I, 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 I bet you it's the exit point for a lot of relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go try this. And then one person is like looking at their partner being completely satisfied like they've never seen before. And they're like, I am out. Well, <laughs> you know? um, that's, it's actually not kind of how it happens. A lot of it happens in terms of the way that a normal relationship would just end. Um, mm. I do want to say like apart from the sex club experience so the sex club experience of, of the type of polyamory and swingers that you meet there is going to be different than people that live it, live it as a lifestyle as their day to day. Um, I know people who are married who have long-term partners, you know, um, I have, I, I know people whose marriages have broken up because, you know, a long-term partner, uh, you know, ended up, becoming more important to one of the partners, you know, and, you know, but that can honestly happen whether or not you're polyamorous, which people don't like to hear and people don't like to admit. Um, yeah, I find polyamory allows people to realize that one person could be your person, but that doesn't mean they're your everything. And some people are okay saying, okay, well, I'd like to be part of your everything by being your person that supports you while you're finding what else. But um, a lot of relationships, like there's also somewhere the other partner. So say you're in a committed nesting relationship and your partner has a partner that wants more than they can offer. Well, that person is unfortunately not going to get what they want because it's not on offer. And that can be a hard thing to do, too, is you need to know what you want from your polyamorous relationship. Are you looking for that triad? Are you looking to build a family? Are you looking to have someone you can take to Thanksgiving and to Christmas? And if so, does their nesting partner or do they have any interest in having multiple relationships with multiple families? There's so many different variables that go into polyamory especially in the long term outside of the sex club setting because in the sex club setting you're generally just getting um the more of the stereotypical hypersexualized polyamorous idea 
that society has of polyamory, whereas it's actually quite, it is quite common. Um, that is something that I've learned just from being open and talking about it because um, I, I like to create safe spaces for people to talk about alternative lifestyles so they don't, they don't end up making some really stupid mistakes that I made when I was younger. Um, but I've, I found, and I've, I've actually stopped being surprised by the walks of life that I find out our swingers, literally every single walk of life has swingers and polyamorous people in it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I feel like, um, I, I hear you're saying, I, I feel like most of us, many of us, whatever, um, just want, um, our partners to not get sick of us for us not to get sick of them mm -hmm. for the spark not to go away or whatever i feel like that is really kind of like that almost feels like fantasy right and the yeah. reality is is different um you know well i'm frozen again or i guess you're frozen again <laughs> okay i think we're back you're back yeah okay um, you know, I didn't want to be separate. I didn't want to like take my life with two kids and, and turn it upside down. So this was mm -hmm. a decision that she had made. And, and what, what could I do? Like, once you know that your partner doesn't want to be there, you know, um, yeah. first, first you might flail a little and then you just got to kind of accept it and we're, you know, but we still cohabitate. It's really, it's really weird. But yeah. you know, if I got my fingers and go to a time when, um, when we didn't have arguments or, or whatever, and, uh, and, and was able to sort of like get back there and, and do it over again, I probably would because I want my kids to actually have a good home, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. so when I when I opened this conversation, I can't remember if we were on air or off air and said, you know, um, you know, now that I'm, uh, you know, technically single again, mm -hmm. um, I feel like uh, maybe I'm in like a manic mode of, of, of wanting to explore certain things. But at the end of the day, I'm just this little kitten that just wants to go back home. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? And oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. So it's interesting what you do. The psychology of what you do is enormous. <laughs> well, it's it takes a lot. It really does. And um, it's very important to recognize when something is potentially good for us, regardless of what society tells us. And then also, as, as you know, I mentioned earlier with the frenzy and things like that, you need to be mentally strong to not only have conversations with your partner, but conversations with yourself that you need to wonder, like, why am I doing this? You need to cut, you need to find the reason in yourself. Like if you're doing it to fill a void or if you're doing it because you want to stand out or you're afraid to be alone, you know, people have different reasons for wanting to do it. And I won't say any are necessarily right. I do feel that if you are searching for someone else to fulfill you when, in ways that you can't fill yourself, like in a, in a deep emotional state, whether it's monogamous or polyamorous, it's not going to end well, but it's going to hurt even more in a polyamorous situation because you don't have just one person that you're putting yourself into. You have multiple people that you're putting yourself into. So if you're going to enter into polyamory, you need to make sure that you know what your motives are and make sure that they're for you and not to fill something that you can't get, um, that, you, that you need to work through, that maybe therapy or talking it out with friends or journaling would do much better at fixing because you're just going to end up 
making things worse if your motives are yeah that's true um really interesting stuff um also if i'm ever in hamilton do you have a pair of bitch boots maybe we can go catch a movie <laughs> Um, not quite any bitch boots, but they do go up to the thighs. Done. All right. Emily, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll have you back because that was a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is this is great. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't go into silly land too much. Me too. I, again, that ruins it, and I'm sure you're sick yeah. of that anyways. So. Uh, yeah it 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 tends to be my my normal status, so it's yeah. it's nice to have a vacation from myself. <laughs> Well, you have a good evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, you so as much. well. Thank you so much. No problem. Emmeline Pruden. I just found out that her last name's not really Pruden before we went on the air. So it is an ironical name, as they say. That was really fun. She, I learned a lot from her. Um, it's interesting talking about that because, you know, relationships, and they're so complicated, man. They're, they're, I mean, they're so simple, but so complicated. Um, you know, people not being honest with each other or people being... Um, you know, stint and stuff like you can tell when a relationship is, is sort of waning just by looking at the faces, uh, the face of your partner sometimes, um, you know, all the stuff that goes on in here that doesn't come out of this is, uh, I don't know, it's damaging. It eats you from the inside out. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Emily, for joining us. That was that was awesome. Um, tomorrow's is the triumphant return of Casual Friday in which I will unveil to, <laughs> to the world again. Um, shrooms girl countdown to shrooms girl countdown to shrooms girl is what i'm calling an ongoing mini segment on cut is where um where i update the audience on how it's going to try to woo shrooms girl to come to the show this is shrooms girl here and this is her here and i call her shrooms girl because um when i look at her when, <laughs> when I'm on mushrooms um because she's got all these tattoos and stuff it's not just like about her boobs, guys. It really isn't. She's a fantastic painter. Like I was like, no way you did this. This is like, this is ridiculous. This is museum worthy. And then she happens to also look like that. So I found her fascinating. And then whenever I'm on shrooms and I see her, I'm just like, there she is, shrooms girl. Oh my god. And then I send her underneath all of her photos. I send her a, a gif of a of a mushroom tripping out kind of cartoon thing. And she loves them. So we've been talking and she's shy. And so um, I want to have her on to talk about her painting and herself. I mean, she's obviously hot as hell, but um, especially this one. I'm just going to show this one again. The Roll Derby Shrooms Girl is probably my favorite. Yes. Yes, ma'am. And then, of course, the quote, just just boss me around. It's fine. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is I'm not really like that in real life. <clears throat> um, but anyways, so that will be Casual Friday. And then on Monday, we have Michael Price. Michael Price is a executive producer and a writer for The Simpsons, where he's been for 24 years, I believe. And his episode, the last episode that he wrote, is actually going to be on the night before. So this Sunday night, The New Simpsons, watch it, um, because that uh, will be the episode, one of the episodes that Michael Price has written. If I'm not mistaken, he's probably the longest uh, running writer, producer, other than the main creators that uh, that has been on The Simpsons. So um, that's going to be fun. He was on uh, when I did the F is for Family show because uh, he's one of the writers there as well. But uh, I can't wait to talk to him. This is this is, I've been waiting for a conversation. This is like almost like a bucket list conversation because of how impactful that show was on the generation growing up. So that's Monday. And again, tomorrow is well Friday. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. And we'll see you next time on Blackball. 
black ball. Black, black, black ball. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. To the blue hotel I wanna live at the blue hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker it's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.